Sayadaw often says, awareness alone is not enough. He even called one of his books that. And so what this points to is the perspective of wisdom that's necessary for our mindfulness, our practice, to head us in the direction of freedom. When we think of the word wisdom, we sometimes think of something quite grand, perhaps. I think we have to understand a lot of things in advance. And yet the way the Buddha taught was actually so brilliant because the way he taught us to practice mindfulness embeds that wisdom in it. He taught right mindfulness. And if we practice mindfulness in this way, from this perspective, the wisdom will begin to grow. The wisdom of the Buddha is usually classically expressed in a few different ways. It's expressed as understanding the Four Noble Truths. There is suffering. There's the arising of suffering with the arising of craving. The Second Noble Truth. The third noble truth, it is possible to have release from suffering, the ending of suffering. And the fourth noble truth that we can cultivate a path. There is a path that will lead us in the direction of freedom. Another way wisdom is expressed is the understanding of karma that our, our actions have consequences, that when we act from greed, aversion, delusion, we tend to head in the direction of suffering. When we're acting from greed, aversion, delusion, it's like we're on a downhill slope towards suffering. When we act from non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, it heads us towards happiness, towards freedom, towards non-suffering. <coughs> Sometimes wisdom is expressed in the teaching of dependent origination. A very detailed description of the processes at work in our mind that generate suffering. And sometimes wisdom is expressed as understanding the truths that experience 
all experience is impermanent, unreliable, and not self. And so these teachings or these lists, you know, may we may think that we have to understand, learn all of these lists before we start to practice. And yet what I see happening is that with the perspective that's embedded in wise mindfulness, these understandings begin to be revealed in our experience. So the wisdom is revealed through practicing with some very simple shifts of perspective. And so we don't have to remember all of the, you know, four this is and five that's and eight this is. We don't have to remember all of those. We do have to remember some very simple, practical approaches to attending to experience. And I'll express a few of those this morning. In Sayadaw's language, one of those is, objects are just objects. Any object, any experience, again, the use of that word object (laughs) may be unfamiliar to some of you. Object basically means any experience. Any experience can be used to cultivate wise mindfulness. The key is having a mind that's observing that experience that is balanced and beginning to be curious about whether in our observing mind there is some wrong attitude, a direction of greed, aversion, or confusion in the mind. When the mind is balanced and receiving experience with a perspective of curiosity and interest, any object is fine. There's no hierarchy, no better object than any other object with which to cultivate mindfulness. Sleepiness is a fine object if you are able to be mindful of it with a balanced perspective. If you're sleepy and very reactive, if the mind is is uh, averse to it and trying to fix it or change it, then we need to recognize that aversion. That becomes the object. If we're not recognizing the aversion, it's in the observing mind and is not, um, is functioning as wrong attitude.
So objects are just objects. We are interested in a perspective in mindfulness practice to become interested in experience in the present moment as experience in the present moment. That sounds like a, a truism or so, it always sounds like, well, what are you saying? But typically our perspective on experience in the present moment isn't to just be interested in, oh, wow, a thought is arising right now. A thought is happening in the present moment. Our interest is, a thought is arising and what do I need to do about that? Who do I need to tell? What do I need to fix or change? And so having the perspective of an experience is arising and being interested in the fact of the experience or the experience itself is a radically different perspective to bring to attending to experience. That is one of the key shifts the Buddha pointed to in the teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. There's no, if the mind is in wise attitude, there's no better experience than the one that is most obvious right in front of your face. There's no need to change our experience in order to find a better experience to meditate with. This is it, what we have. This perspective cultivates and begins to really strengthen the capacity of the mind to meet experience from, with equanimity, without judgment, without reactivity. Another way to express or explore this understanding of objects are just objects is that objects can't disturb you. We might think that sound outside is disturbing me or what that person is doing is disturbing me. Well, fortunately, there's nothing inherent in what happens in the world that has to disturb our minds. If that were true, the possibility for freedom would not exist. What disturbs our mind is our mind's response to what's happening in the world or reaction to what's happening in the world. And that is something we begin to shift and change as we pay attention to our reactivity. As we see that what's disturbing the mind isn't inherently 
what's happening out there, but our response to it. Our mind begins to understand that it's responsible for its own suffering and begins to understand how to let it go, begins to orient towards letting it go. Another key understanding that's embedded in our uh, mindfulness practice is that experience arises as a result of conditions and causes. Experience is not randomly arising. The conditions that lead to what's happening now in this moment are vast and varied. We cannot know all of the conditions that lead to what's happening in this moment. Conditions include how we were raised, our conditioning as children and in our families and in our cultures. Our conditions include choices that we've made in the past. Conditions include how the weather is, what our genetic makeup is like. Can we digest gluten or not? So many different ways that our bodies respond to the environment. So many different conditions come together. And then there's also not only what's happened in the past that has us uh, meeting this moment, but how we are in this moment influences how we meet this moment. Are we reacting? Are we open? Are we curious? And so causes and conditions include both everything from the beginning of time up until now, all of the conditions of the universe essentially, leading to this moment. It's amazing. You know, just even think for a moment about how many different conditions brought you here in this room. You know, You might think back to the very first intimation you ever had of Buddhist teaching. How long ago that happened? Who brought that to you? How that unfolded? And who brought it to that person and how it unfolded for that person? What brought you to this particular retreat at this particular time? So many different conditions of the past that lead to this moment. And yet our freedom is found not in having to somehow construct or redo our past, but how we meet those conditions unfolding now. And so this is the understanding or another way of expressing perhaps the teaching on on karma, that in this moment, 
if we uh, react to the conditions that are arising with greed, aversion, and delusion, that will set in motion the uh, continued unfolding of stress, of suffering, heading us in that direction. And yet if we respond in this moment with interest, curiosity, mindfulness, compassion if there's suffering in this moment, our actions unfold in the direction that takes us towards happiness, freedom. Seeing this conditioning, and we kind of mentioned this last night, that as mindfulness gets more continuous, it begins to more naturally see how the conditions unfold in our lives. And so this begins to be revealed to us. We can be curious about the conditions, especially of this moment. What are the conditions that make this moment feel contracted or easeful? In this very moment, if the heart is resisting or holding or confused, there will be agitation and stress and suffering in this very moment. We're seeing that. It's not a mistake to see that. That to me is so much of how this practice actually works. You know, we open with mindfulness to what's happening in this moment. We see our minds resisting and reacting. We're aware of that and we feel the suffering of it. That very feeling of the suffering in this moment is the medicine, is the learning, is the information that the mind needs to begin to recognize this way is not helpful. Before we come into curiosity about what's happening in this moment is what's happening in this moment, we often completely miss the fact that the resistance and the wanting, the holding, is what is creating stress and suffering right now. Because we are focused on the future. We are focused on what, I, what can I do to get rid of this problem or hold on to this thing? We're not feeling or seeing in this moment the stress or suffering of that resisting and holding on. And so when we wake up with mindfulness to the resisting and holding on and feel the suffering of it, it's not a mistake. And we don't advertise that. Come and sit in a mindfulness retreat and open to just how much messiness and yuckiness there is in there. 
We say, oh yes, mindfulness, wonderful. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. I am so grateful that I learned about this path of practice. And yet it proceeds by first noble truth, understand dukkha. It's not a mistake. And so when you are experiencing dukkha, There was one point on one retreat with Saito Utejaniya, it was a couple of weeks in, and it's like, oh, there's so much suffering, and I must be doing something wrong. And uh, at some point, I realized, no, this is what the Buddha asked us to see. Oh, this is suffering. That is bringing wisdom in. And so we can use wisdom to help us with a perspective, to balance our minds. To begin to balance our minds. To meet experience. And so, um, bringing in, using right view as a perspective. In this case, I was using, oh, this is dukkha, this is suffering. Not thinking, this is a problem, I need to fix it, but this is what the Buddha asked, uh, asked us to understand. Different perspective on suffering. That's a wisdom perspective on suffering. Curiosity, interest, wanting to understand this process of suffering as it unfolds. So we can borrow suffering, I mean borrow wisdom, and borrow suffering too. (laughs) Just dropping in wisdom into our minds at times as a reflection almost to help balance the mind. This is a key tool that I learned from Saito Tijaniya and actually the Buddha suggests it. He, he says at times, you know, you should remind yourself, cultivate the perception of impermanence. This is impermanent. This is some wisdom we can drop into our minds if we're struggling. This is impermanent. This is unreliable. This is not me, not mine, not who I am. Three of the key wisdom perspectives the Buddha offered. Anicca, impermanent. Dukkha, unreliable. Anatta, not self. Sometimes it's helpful to frame those understandings in um, our own language or what resonates for us in terms of language. So for me, the understanding about the conditioned nature of experience, that things have unfolded as a result of conditions and what's happening now, what's growing right now in my experience is like a tree that's growing because a seed or um, has been planted in the past. And the conditions were created or generated to water that seed and nourish it to grow. And so what's being experienced right now is a natural result of the conditions from the past and how I am in this moment. Sayadaw offered a language around that, a simple phrase that I find so helpful. 
This, what I'm experiencing right now, this is nature. It is just the natural consequence of the unfolding of conditions. Of course, what's unfolding right now is unfolding right now. Of course. As we bring this perspective, these perspectives of wisdom into our practice. And really the practice, as Sayadaw sometimes says, you know, what I say isn't something to do. There are a few things that we do. We remind ourselves about awareness. We remind ourselves to check our attitude. It can be helpful at times if we're struggling a bit to drop wisdom in, use our tools when we're struggling. And yet, you know, these perspectives of wisdom talking about seeing the conditioned nature of experience that is more an understanding that begins to arise as mindfulness becomes more continuous. It's probably not so helpful in the moment of seeing a thought leading to an action in our minds to try to think about or see, oh, and where did that come from and how did that happen? Trying to somehow create or understand the causal links through a thinking process. The more continuous mindfulness gets, the more that causal process is revealed. And so we encourage the continuity of mindfulness with these simple perspectives and then kind of sit back in amazement and watch the mind do its thing. Watch how our minds work. As we do that, there will be moments when we understand something directly. Wisdom penetrates directly. We cannot do this. We cannot choose to say, I'm going to understand this wisdom right now. I'm going to understand this as impermanent right now. We can incline the mind to remind ourselves, yes, this is impermanent, but we can't make that understanding penetrate deeply into our bones. Mindfulness and wisdom will do that. And so as we cultivate that continuity of mindfulness at times we it's like it's like the the ice breaks and we drop into oh, like almost like wow a shocking very cold water it's like whoa I've woken up now this is different I'm seeing things in a very different way in this moment and so we have a direct understanding 
of some wisdom. And then we forget. Delusion comes back. Greed comes back. And yet because we've seen it clearly, we've seen it more clearly already, we've had that direct experience of ourselves, then at that point we can Often those, often those insights or those understandings express themselves in some language in our minds. I often see that happening, that as the mind kind of uh, drops into a, 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 an understanding, the mind articulates what it says, what, what it's learned. It articulates it to itself. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. My mind, it does it more than half the time, I'd say, when I understand something, the mind says, oh, this is just a thought, or what was another one? Oh, if it's complicated, it's an object. So sometimes, oh, another one that's coming for me, these are fabrications. The mind is making this up. These are ones that have happened for me in the insights. And when, we've, when our mind has expressed an insight in its own language, that's a really useful tool for us. We can borrow our own wisdom later when we're not seeing so clearly. And so that reminder, oh right, this is just a fabrication for me. At this point, this is a very powerful reminder. I'm not seeing it fully in the moment, but that reminder, it like points me back to that experience that I, where I did deeply understand it. And so we can borrow wisdom from ourselves. So the wisdom perspective is crucial in this practice, in all of our meditation, in all of our Buddhist practice. The wisdom perspective is what orients us towards freedom. And yet, you know, Asayadaw sometimes says, you know, don't try to do this. It's like, this is information. Just let it like be rain that is dripping down into the landscape and, and filtering into the soil it will inform your practice in its own way, in its own time. You don't have to remember or try to remember anything I'm saying here. Just do this simple practice. What's here right now? Am I aware? What am I aware of? Check the attitude from time to time. And so allowing yourself to, if you're not already in your meditation posture, letting the words drift away, letting go of the words.
Relaxing the body. Relaxing the mind. And as the mind and body relax, noticing in a simple way, are you aware? Aware? Of what? Remembering that objects are just objects. Any object, any experience can be used to cultivate mindfulness and wisdom. There's no better object out there. This one. What's here now is the perfect place. The perfect experience to open to. Are you aware? What's obvious? <laughs> 